0: And open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, I'm going to read from verses 9 to 16 in a moment. If September 11th, 2001 didn't teach us anything else, it should have reminded us <clears throat> that people matter more than things. People matter more than things. And it's amazing how many got that message for a little while and then forgot all about it. But imagine if you'd lost someone that day, how you would treasure one more moment with them, one more phone call, one more conversation. And what if you could, through your relationship with God, figure out that you could have one more conversation, one more interaction, and that one would last for all eternity? What if it was possible to find yourself insured, against the temporary, fragile nature of this life. And you'd realize that being in God's presence means being in the presence of his family, which includes our dearest loved ones, we hope and pray. Running to win is about running to him. That's what this message, these series of messages have been about, that that there's really only one way of, sure salvation there's only one thing to focus on in life that matters and it is running toward the Lord to run to him like the prodigal son ran home to his father is the story of our race today we're going to talk about how there's a treasure that we have can't take that one to heaven with us either but we'll be going to its author so I think it'll be okay if we leave these behind but what a treasure this book is. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. And to understand that if we're going to run toward him, we begin first with prayer so that we can hear him pulling us in the direction that he would have us go. But but to really know the voice, to know the direction, if running to win is, is running to him, then how do we know which way to go? How do we know we're running in the right direction? Well, There are a lot of ways in which God's word, which is the heart and mind of God, reveals that to us. And there are a lot of ways we can hear the word of God, but there's nothing better and nothing more reliable than the Bible. And it will be the way that you understand the sound of his voice. I learned a long time ago that there are answers to the questions that the Bible doesn't directly answer in the character of God. And the only way you get those answers is by being so familiar with the character of God. So somebody will say, well, how do I know whether this is right or this is wrong if it's not clearly stated in the Bible? Well, if you know your Bible well enough, you know the character of your God, the one you run to. And the very nature of his character is something that guides you when you don't have a clear direction. So the Bible is an essential part of this running to win and running to him. Let's read Psalm 119 now, starting at verse nine. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart and I, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Sometimes God seems really silent and indifferent in our lives. And as we go through our circumstances and pray, we, we wonder why God is so distant. But the fact is, and the Bible will assure you of this, God is rarely silent and he's never indifferent. The reason a lot of our prayers go unanswered is because we don't really know who we're talking to. We haven't really engaged in the kind of relationship with our God so that we understand the nature of our requests. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that sometimes God must say, why are they so indifferent and silent? Because he can't hear us talking because we're babbling on about something that is irrelevant up against God's character. Hearing God's word helps us to refine our prayers and to refine our expectations about the world and life. It helps us to put things in perspective. The the word of God, which, which many people will just point to the Bible and say, this is the word of God. It is certainly the best and most reliable access you have to the word of God. But to be specific, to be clear, there's a Greek word that is used to describe the word of God. It's logos. And I have roughly translated it to the heart and mind of God, which is to say the very personality of God. And to understand God's personality, you can read the Bible and you can get in touch with God's personality. You can begin to understand what motivates our Lord, what drives the various actions and apparent inactions of God. A Bible that you hold in your hands is a gift from God, to be sure. And if you are participating in my Wednesday night church history class, you will hear more about this. But I'll give you a summary version to make you understand, help you understand, I should say, the, uh, the way you got that book. Understand that for generations it was an oral tradition. You know, they didn't have TV or Internet or anything. And when it got dark, there wasn't much else to do except sit around a fire and, and tell stories. And that's what they did. And the stories were told over and over again through generations. And some people will say, well, and how do we know they're true? But if you ask an honest question, you get an honest answer. They correct each other. When's the last time you went to a family gathering and a story from your childhood came up and then one sibling said, no, 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 no. That's not how that happened. And before long, you get a complete version of whatever the story is because this corrective process is happening. Same thing happened with the oral history that became the scrolls of Moses and the five books of the law and so on and so on. And after it started getting written down, it started getting copied and distributed widely in the form of scrolls. These scrolls are still discovered to this day, none more famous than the Qumran scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls they're called. now after Jesus's time, those scrolls had been translated from the ancient Hebrew language to Greek. And that was the kind of universal language of the day when Jesus walked on the earth. And those Hebrew translations were very common and widespread. And then after the apostles died off, you had a need to try to nail down what the apostles had taught us about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so their letters became part of the sacred text. Their uh, refutation of various heresies written in these letters became part of the sacred text, and the Gospels as an account of Jesus's life became part of a sacred text. And before long, we had what was now referred to as the New Testament. But these sacred documents became the grounding upon which everything after the apostolic instruction had sort of faded with time and memory. And so what we have in this book is something that is a gift from God because it has withstood so much, so much hellfire. (laughs) And there have been so many ways in which this book has survived through divine intervention by the hands of humans. And so there are many stories I could tell you. The one that I love to tell the most frequently about the way that God keeps the word in the Bible pure is the day that I was at a certain uh, archive in the Chicago area as a student, and I was allowed to handle one of the rarest books I've ever seen. It was one of, like, five copies of the King Henry VIII Bible known to exist. And what makes it so rare is that it's so messed up. (laughs) And what it proved in my heart was that God doesn't let junky versions of the Bible survive. And I could tell you more stories from my own information, my own research, but... To, to say that the Bible is protected divinely and delivered through generations in various languages and forms and still remains uh, an instrument of the Holy Spirit for the transformation of people's hearts and minds through the heart and mind of God is a miracle. Your Bible in your hand is a miracle, those of you who finished reading the Bible in 90 days, perhaps you listened to it. You, you read it on some kind of electronic device or you got out the old-fashioned paper-bound copy. But whatever you did, you were holding in your hands, hearing in your ears a miracle. It is a miracle so profound that it will change lives. People read it. That, that the Bible is, for whatever reason only known to God, more than the substance of its parts. And when you start to read it and, in, and sincerely interact with God, something happens in you that awakens your spirit. And you begin to realize that you understand more about your relationship with God than you did before you read this book. I have other stories that you've heard me tell before, but I have personal testimony, my own witness, that people who had nothing other than the Gideon's pocket edition of the Bible read it and were saved by God's grace. Even on death row, it's absolutely a miracle you hold in your hands. So it seems a shame not to interact with the Bible Especially these days when it's so easy to interact with it. Those of you who finished the Bible in 90 days, if I, if I heard you clearly, the vast majority of you finished it because you listened to it on your phones or your electronic devices. You, you were able to do it because you didn't just read straight from the page, but you also listened to it. And I believe that that is the most powerful way to experience the Word of God because it takes us all the way back to that oral history I was talking about a minute ago. And so it is important in running to win that you hear the Word of God. You hear it, God willing, from the pulpit, you hear it in the music, you hear it in prayers and presentations by godly women and men filled with the Holy Spirit, but you can hear it in your own voice if you open your Bible and read it out loud. I talked to you last week about prayer and prayer in and of itself is certainly an important part of your running to win, but it's more powerful when you pray after reading scripture out loud So what I recommend to you is if you're trying to increase your daily disciplines in order to run to win, that you take time to read some scripture out loud. Why not the Psalms? Most of them are prayers. Read them out loud and then talk to God about what you just read. Offer the reading as a prayer to God. I am so certain that this will change your life that I dare you to do it because I've seen it myself. It has been part of my journey. Now, I just want to conclude by by reminding you that you have to, in almost every part of your life's disciplines, give up something in order to make room for something else. You know, I've been fine tuning our budget with my bride for the last several months and trying to uh, Imagine retirement in another six or seven years, you know, and I've been trying to figure that out and 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 I've also worked diligently with our leadership on the church's budget and I can tell you that when it comes to budgeting Money or time or anything else. It's always a give-and-take You can only have so much to work with and if you want more for something else You're gonna have to take it away from somewhere else. It's just that simple And so I promise you that if you take up this discipline, it will cost you something. What I would recommend is that you approach it as a loving sacrifice to God. Say, Lord, I'm giving up some Internet time, some TV time, some some uh, whatever. So that I can spend more time reading these passages out loud for the edification of my soul and then talking to you about it. And you know what? If it's five or 10 minutes to start with, that's fine. And if it grows to four hours, well, that's fine too. I probably won't be joining you in that. On the other hand, I find myself giving the Lord time in prayer and consideration in various ways in little bites throughout the day. So maybe you'll be like that. Maybe at the end of the day, you realize that you have accumulated something like an hour and a half to two hours of interaction with the Lord it's hard to say and I won't take my example and present it to you as the way any more than I would expect you to present me with your example as the way what you need to do what we all need to do is get to know the one to whom we are running here's the beautiful thing about the acquaintance you'll have with God and the very character of God because of this As you run the race, you will hear his voice and know his voice along the sidelines cheering you on. I remember when my son Jonathan was uh, an athlete in high school in a couple of different sports. I I have a special nickname for him. I won't say it here because it's special. But I can tell you that when all the crowd around was screaming and yelling one thing or another and raising all kinds of clamor for the participants in this athletic event, I could make my son hear me way down on the field by simply saying that name as loud as I could. And he knew his dad's voice because he knew that only I called him that. And that would be my little encouragement to him when it looked like he was a little discouraged. And so I imagine that knowing the father's voice is like that. If you become acquainted with the sound of the heavenly father's voice, he will say your name in a way that assures you that he is for you as you run to win. And it will be clear when you get close that you have run to him because you will know him when you see him. Let us pray. Glorious God, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, your incredible love. We ask that we might take up the discipline with your help of reading your word out loud and talking to you about it so that you'll be glorified in our lives. But more than that, we'll run to win and hear you cheering us on along the way. We pray this with hope joy and expectation. (coughs) Amen.